Welcome to Vets to PM's Military Transition Academy podcast, the show where we discuss how to succeed in transitioning from the military service to the civilian workforce. This show and the academy it represents helps veterans transition into meaningful, lucrative post-service careers. Your primary host is Eric Doc Wright, PhD, Certified Manager, Military Veteran, Serial Founder, Best-Selling Business Author, Philosopher, Linguist, and Coach. Your other host is Jeremy Burdick, Project Management Professional, Scrum Master, Product Owner, and Retired Air Force Chief, and the current COO of Vesta PM and the Professional Development Unit University, where we will interview veterans successful in corporate America and business to bring you nuggets of wisdom every episode to make you more successful. Next, let's introduce today's guest. Our guest today is Dustin Hayes, U.S. Navy medically retired, CEO, founder of Red, White, and Badass Brew, coffee as old as the American spirit and host of The Coffee, Conversation and Badass Podcast. We tell heroic stories of badass people who overcame mental health, addiction, relationship, and business struggles. That's his tagline from his podcast, and we're honored to have him on board, uh, getting knocked down, getting back up. And it's just a story of overcoming some of life's challenges. I hope you enjoy it. Well, cool. So, so tell me a little bit about the, uh, the transition for you, um, U.S. Navy, and then talk to me. Yeah, I, uh, well, first I, the transition wasn't, you know, one that you normally would go through. I, I got medically retired. And so when I got, when I injured myself, uh, really just, I, I, it, it was not that bad. I really just rolled my ankle. So it wasn't that bad initially. Um, but then I kept on it for four more months, five more months and really just did irreversible damage to my ankle and kept on it. was popping Motrin, like, you know, it was going out of style, man. It was just boom, boom, keep the swelling down, keeping it wrapped up, uh, kept re-injuring it, you know, because once you just have a massively, you know, hurt ankle, it's just very easy to, uh, you know, injure again. So I kept re-injuring it. Well, after I got off uh, out and, uh, you know, taking my boots off and stuff was just, my ankle just instantly starts swelling up, starts swelling up. And I was like, all right, well, I need to get this checked out. So I did. Uh, they're like, yep, you've got torn ligaments. I was like, well, really me that. I already knew that. You know, I didn't need the doctor to tell me. So they went in there, they operated on it the first time. Uh, and when they did, they caused a little bit of a nerve damage. But they're like, yeah, we're just going to stop there and we're going to do PT, uh, physical therapy. And so they did uh, flunked out physical, physical therapy twice. Um, you know, they tried some other stuff. You know, they gave me the cortisone shots, stuff like that. Um, nothing really took. So then they went back and said, okay, you have to have surgery again. Well, the first time I did surgery, they put me in a walking boot. And when I go to stand up on that walking boot, I could not get vertical. And, you know, the doc's looking at me like, come on, get up. What are you doing? And I'm in tears almost. I'm like, I cannot stand up straight. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. I cannot stand up straight. Something is going on with my back and my right leg. And so they're like, okay, well, sit down. And so I was like, all right, so sit down. Anyway, they, uh, they go into it. I ended up having sciatica and herniated disc in my back. So then they're going to put me through PT for that. They have a second surgery. Well, they fucking botched that surgery. They broke my ankle in order to create scar tissue between my, uh, between my ankle for a cartilage. Well, it didn't grow in properly. 
instead of growing in like this, it grew in all jacked up and they caused more nerve damage. And they're like, you're it. That's it. You can't have, we can't do this anymore because you're essentially going to lose your freaking ankle uh, because there's nothing left we can do. So at that time I was like, okay, well just give me some time. I think I can manage the pain and get back to active duty. And uh, in the meantime, they're like going through the PT for the back and the back is just, just jacked. They did three minor surgeries. They did like some micro ablations on some nerves in the back, uh, which uh, worked for a short period of time and then completely failed out. Uh, then they found out I have herniated disc in my, in my upper back too. So I have my L5, S1 fucked up. And then uh, they're like, you also have degenerative disc disease. And you're it. That is it. You're done. So um, I also flew uh, UAVs uh, for special forces. So I uh, was kind of going through a little bit of a trauma that I didn't really know I was kind of going through at the time until one of my guys was like, hey, dude, you probably should go talk to somebody because you're not acting normal. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm acting perfectly fine, dude. Uh, and I wasn't. So uh, conclusion, they, they, they medically, they said, you know what? You were not fit for active duty. You can't go back to active duty. You're getting medically retired. Well, this time I kind of started going down a different path, a dark path, uh, gained 75 pounds, still inactive. Um, and now my whole structure is just completely shattered. And they're like, yep, May 22nd, you're getting out. And I'm like, what does that even look like? What does the civil civilian world look like? I have no idea. You know, then they sent me to some TAPS classes. And this whole time, I'm going through depression. I'm going through anxiety. Uh, I'm having some suicidal thoughts. And got a little bit of help while I was in active duty. Uh, it wasn't until after I got medically retired is when I went back and was like, and my wife at the time was like, you need to talk to somebody. And so this whole time, I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, we're going to be fine. I'm going to go get this nice cush government job and we're just going to live ha happily ever after. Well, if you ever apply for government jobs, it is not as easy as what everybody else thinks it is. Because uh, I don't know how many applications I put in. I got zero interviews. And so I did what everybody else did or most what other people do. I went to college, you know, but I'm still not dealing with those traumas and what's happened. So I went out and was kind of self-medicating. I gained, oh, 75, 80 pounds and just uneating healthy, drinking the whole nine yards. So we, uh, so I went through school, uh, started getting help, but it wasn't like therapy, individual therapy that was helping me. It was actually group therapy with like-minded guys who'd gone through some of the same situations that really actually got me back together. And some of the guys that I served with that really got me back to it. Um, and not only that, but the, the VA was turned me into a zombie because they're like, Hey, you've got all these problems. And their idea was here, just take drugs. And I was screaming going, Hey, I don't want to take drugs. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a pill popping kind of guy. You know, I don't want to mask the problem. I just want the problem to be fixed. Or what is my new normal going to look like? What do I need? to do it and couldn't really get answers. Um, yeah. And they did send me to what was called, it was called the wave clinic. And I, I can't remember, I, they changed the name of it now. And I can't remember the name of it, but it was the wave clinic. And it's where they take you and kind of float you in a pool, like an infant in a womb really is what it's kind of like. 
and they just kind of wade you in a pool and have this water go over the pool. And they do this for, you know, the psychological aspect of it. So it kind of keeps that calming feel. And so I still use that technique today. So if I feel anxiety or whatever the case may be, like when the first time I told my story at public speaking, I went straight to the bathroom, splashed my face with water and it came to that cool, calm sensation feeling. And it's like, okay, breathe. So my transition was just dark. It was a dark transition. The military told me that uh, when I went to Washington to fight my case, that I was no longer an asset. I was a liability. And I've never been told that in my life. And I just took that to the extreme. And I was like, wow, like I'm completely worthless. And so if the military thinks I'm worthless, how is the civilian sector going to think of me? I'm broke. I don't, I don't have nothing to offer. I don't. Um, and it wasn't until I started talking to other people who were wounded and everything else that I started changing my mindset. It was like, wait a minute. That was just some diagnosis from a doctor, maybe having a bad day, and he just told me straight. And I just took it to the extreme and started changing my mindset. And then I went into it like, you know what? I'm not worthless. I actually have a lot of value here. You know, I'm just not portraying the value that I have. Uh, and what I can bring to the table for organizations. Then I just couldn't get hired. I couldn't really get a job. And my buddy was like, hey, dude, I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to pay you 15 bucks an hour to be a handyman. And I was like, okay, well, I'm taking 15 bucks because that's all I've got on the table. Now, I could go get a job at McDonald's or whatever, a fast food job. But is that really going to turn into a career? Probably not, right? So. I took this job, started being handyman and refurbishing airplane hangers and started doing electrical work, which I've never done electrical work. Um, and just started doing the handyman kind of stuff and learned a lot. And it got me thinking of like, you know what? I don't want to work $15 an hour for the rest of my life doing this. This is hard labor work. I want to own a business that does this. And so I was still in school, uh, in college, couldn't still was applying for jobs, couldn't get a job, uh, got this job after my unemployment ran out. And then was like, you know what, I can do this. So in 2014, while I was in college, unemployed, I had my fourth child. And so now I had a little bit stressed and I have four kids. And, uh, and so, you know, we have the whole duties of, you know, being a father in some of the stuff is still lingering from my military past and I didn't quite hundred percent take care of it, but I was like, you know what? I have to man up and I have to, uh, really just provide for my family. Uh, in short term, I just had short fuses. I was short fused, you know, mad all the time. Uh, you know, um, and then I kind of went, got past that. And my wife actually helped me out with that. Um, but, it was kind of that daily, double short type of deal. She stayed with me till she just, you know, was not in love with me anymore and just seen too much ugliness. You know, uh, I was never abusive, never nothing like that, never verbally abusive. I was just, you know, mad at myself more than anything else and self-doubted. Didn't really have a lot of confidence. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I've got a, and so in 2015, you know, we start having some issues, but we're working through it. I was like, well, I'm going to open up a construction business. And I did. So I opened up a construction business with my father-in-law. And he was the expert in construction. And he goes, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about concrete. I was like, great. So I'm still in college. I just started this construction business. 
and I have never opened a business in my life. And so here I am, and I was, I took business school, but business, uh, I got my degree in business, but business degree does not teach you how to open a business, how to start a business, the process of everything like that. That's almost kind of like an outward, you know, education you need to really get, you know, business degree will teach you how to run a business that's already been established. So I, uh, uh, so I went on this whole new learning path, opened the business, me and him started doing it. it during the mornings, I would go in work, do the concrete, do the concrete afternoon, go bid some jobs, uh, and then also work on the business. And then in the meantime, trying to squeeze in college and family time. Um, so now I have strained this already strained relationship with my wife. And, uh, and if you know, people who are in construction, they work from five o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. It's just the industry of the beast. And that's any business you really kind of go into that you start out. So we started going down it. Uh, then me and my uh, wife separated in 2017. Um, I brought on a business partner uh, in 2000, another business partner in 2016. So we had three business partners and he was teaching me a different element about the business. He was teaching me the estimating side of the business, project management side of the business, because I didn't know that. Now I could go do a home project. I can estimate a home project. I can pretty much PM project manage a home project. I didn't know how to do commercial. And this is what this guy was an expert at. So brought him in, started cooking and uh, going and getting bigger jobs, teaching me kind of how to project manage, how to estimate. And 2000, uh, 2017, me and my wife separated and filed for divorce. And then 2018, um, my father-in-law came down with uh, lung cancer and uh, and eventually this is kind of where I saw a different side of a business partner. Um, and he saw that, you know, and we knew that he was eventually going to have to be left, you know, taken out of the business because he, he can no longer serve a role in it and being a new functioning business. Uh, I was dealt with the task of how am I going to maintain my father-in-law getting paid because he's not getting, he's getting Medicare and we live in Southern California, San Diego and, and make sure he can you know, have some livings while he's still here, have money. And it was a very difficult balance for me. Um, to try to navigate, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not going to get paid this month. He is, you know, um, and then, uh, you know, my business partner was squeezing more stuff down on me that I didn't even know, you know, and stuff he wasn't teaching me. And so that was, it was a very weird dynamic in 2018. It was, it was just like, Hey man, I need you to know 25 years worth of experience in two months. I mean, tell me somebody, have you ever met somebody who could do that? Yeah. You know, I would never hard. have. It was That's, crazy. That's crazy. So, so you go from like an ankle that's rolled yep. to a medical separation to, Hey, we're going to go to college. Haven't dealt with some of the stuff that I was dealing with uh, a couple botched surgeries. I'm just, I'm wrapping it up for some of the other uh, listeners out there in MTA world. And then we've got a business partner, two of which one of which is pretty much on his deathbed. And the other one is expecting a little too much, which one, which one was more strain? Man, that's a great question. 
um, uh, both of them were. Uh, I was kind of stuck in the middle because the time that this was happening, the business partner that we took on was also trying to navigate me out of the business. And I didn't know it quite at the time. It wasn't until early 2019. Yeah, early 2019. Um, and he was trying to get my ex-father-in-law at this point. And the reason why my father-in-law kept wanting to be my business partner wasn't because the knowledge. It's because of the integrity that I have. You know, how I carried myself one he could trust. He didn't have to worry about, man, this guy's going to go F this thing up and just blow it up and, you know, not be able to run it because of what I have portrayed in the last couple of years of just working and grinding. So, but my other business partner was just, he's pure evil, man. Really is. Cause I'll tell you later, this was not his first go around, you know, he's a freaking cowboy, man. And, uh, he, he was like, listen, if you don't, and at first I was like, look, I'm not signing over. I'm not giving you all of his shares in the company. I go, cause this didn't start with you. It started with me, started with him. I go, I'll give you half the shares. I'll take half the shares. I think that's an equitable split. You know, you still own a decent chunk of the company and I maintain a decent chunk of the company because that was the overall game plan. And he's like, nope. I'm going to wrap it up. Well, I didn't really understand it this time until later. He was also chipping at me as a, as a person and my confidence, my confidence wasn't as high anyway, because what's already happened right now I'm divorced. Now I've got my father-in-law who's on his deathbed. You know, I'm still dealing with a little bit of residual issues, you know, so my confidence wasn't as high and he just kept chipping away, chipping away. And so when he, uh, I was like, you know what? Fine. Cause I was now scared. I was going to lose the business that I have started and built to now multi-million dollar business. And if I didn't do that, then he was going to leave. And I was like, man, this is going to fold up because I didn't have that confidence in myself. So uh, he, we go into it. He gets his shares now for 51%, he owned 49%. And it, it just kind of, it starts going kind of all right, but there's that lingering, uneasy feeling, but we're making a lot of money. And so I have this just drive to make this bad relationship work because of greed, because of money. You know, so I let greed override my decisions of what I knew was probably not going to work out and what was wrong. So um, long, so what he what happened is uh we ended up getting a line of credit for our business. And in lieu of doing that, we had to sign the deeds to our houses over uh, and put them on, on the line of credit. So we did. Uh, things were going good. And then we get into kind of another blowout freaking argument in uh, 2020. And it was like, it got, it got pretty heated. And uh, at the time, I was like, the time it got heated, I was like, listen, dude, I'm going to take a week off. I need to go cool my jets because the, some of the shit that you have said is just way, way beyond that. We need to question ourselves if this is repairable at this point. And, uh, and kind of at that point, I've already know that I'm not going to be this guy's business partner for long. Now I just, I am trying to develop an exit strategy for myself 
whether that was going to sell my business to him or to buy him out. So, uh, so as I took the week off, I kind of started developing this plan. And this kind of whole time about mid 2019, I started getting my confidence back because I started getting help. I started going to therapy. I started doing everything I really needed to do to work on myself and deep dive into myself. And I did. And then I went to group classes, the whole nine yards and started really got, got this confidence back. I'm like, you know, I don't really need him to be successful. You know, I could be successful on my own. I just have to have the confidence to do it. I know the knowledge. I know what I need to do. So uh, started uh, developing a plan. Well, anyway, he started uh, at that point, he started kind of developing his own plan, transitioning out, which was fine. You know, if in, in me, I'm a kind of up to your, not, not in your face kind of guy, but like, Hey, listen, this isn't working out. I'll come to you. I'll talk to you, you know, straight up, just being man about it. Well, he went beyond my back and started another corporation, uh, another veteran owned construction business. And then, uh, from there, he, uh, he went and, uh, uh, kind of started mismanaging his projects and all the projects started losing money because of mismanagement um, and started using resources out of our company into his new company. And I didn't find out that he actually started another company until October, October 8th of 2020. You know, so, so now we're dealing with not only the pandemic, you know, and all the new restrictions with pandemic, which created a freaking monster of uh, just, you know, people not wanting to work, trying to find labor, trying to find people. Uh, you know, they could be on unemployment. They're making more than on unemployment than they were, you know, working a job. So it was it was a very, you know, oh, I, I have COVID. I don't know. I, I think all my workers or lower level workers all came down with COVID like 27 times. You know, so, I mean, I guarantee they hold the record. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then, uh, that was my really introduction. And so the business collapsed straight up. It was insolvent. Nothing I could do about it. Uh, I was, I was on my way to think I was become a millionaire and we were, uh, the books were pretty solid, um, that I thought, um, and just a matter of weeks, man, I was $700,000 in debt. Uh -oh. And everything just came crumbling down. I mean, it was like one day, it was like September 3rd. And my uh, office manager was like, hey, uh, she didn't even say, she didn't even say anything. She, you know, I knew she was nervous with kind of the business, what's going on. We were running it out of my house. You know, he was over in his house. Uh, and I was like, yeah, we're going to be fine. Just, you know, but she's just a nervous person. And so she started having some mental issues. And I'm over here trying to like, hey, trying to coach her through it. And he was putting a lot of pressure on her, you know, and kind of essentially blaming her a little bit, which she was at fault for a few things. Uh, but uh, ultimately, I kind of I rested the responsibility on my shoulders because I was like, well, I'm leading her, you know, but I'm over here just every day I'm trying to put fires out. Yeah, you know, I got my accounts closing. I've got this closing. I'm trying to get this. And I need materials for this job. We still have this job going on. Just the massive amount of stress that was just kind of going on. And she, uh, I go to a, I go to a meeting to go look at another job <laughs> and, uh, she leaves about 15 minutes afterwards and drops a note on my desk and pretty, pretty much just, uh, it took stress leave, which I didn't even know that was a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stress leave. <laughs> 
Cause I was like, well, if I would have known that I would have taken that too. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and we were a union shop. So if you have ever dealt with union payroll, it is a nightmare. It is a complete nightmare, which I did it, but we just transitioned to a new system about two months ago. And so I wasn't a hundred percent up to speed on everything that we had to do because she was taking care of it. And I was project management estimate. And also I was a fucking fire brigade. You know, I was putting out every single fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you end up losing the house? I mean, yeah. Golly. Yeah. 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 So um, that's actually more recent because uh, I fought it for two years trying to keep this thing. And now I, finally I was like, you know what? This is the last piece of the puzzle. It, it was, it's a material thing. You can get back. You know, I lost my cars. I lost my trucks. I lost my trailer. I lost everything. You know, I lost everything. I lost freaking bank account to zero. I mean, all gone, almost homeless, almost wow. homeless. Um, and so I just, uh, yeah. So, you know, went, uh, just, Losing it, and it's the last piece of puzzle. It, you know, losing the house wasn't. It's not the house. What really killed me? It was my kids. That really killed me because now I got my little kids looking at me, going, "Dad, can you provide for us?" You know, and that's the psychology that was playing in my mind. Is like I have my little kids, my little son, going. I don't feel safe. I don't feel not that that his security is in question, but he's like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? You know, how are we going to how are we going to freaking, you know, live, you know, and that's what hurt me the most. That idea is what really rocked me. Um, also, so in also in 2020. Uh, I. Um, started another business um, and it was a solar cleaning business because the construction business was tw or 2021 uh, solar clean because the construction business was done. It was done. It, it completely over unsalvageable. We'll, can't pull out of it. And uh, honestly, I lost my love for it. The lust, the love, the dream gone, just completely shattered, man. This guy shattered my dream. Uh, and every time I just think about construction, I'm just like sick. So I actually kind of opened up another construction business, but uh, with another partner. Um, and about a month into it, I was like, I told him, I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to be straight up. I can't do this anymore. I go, I don't have the love for it, man. I don't wake up enjoying this. I'm in just a deep, dark place. I got to go do my own thing. So, so instead of go getting a job, I opened up another business. It was a solar cleaning business. You know, so I was like, all right. Here we go. I don't know nothing about soil cleaning. And by the fact, I didn't know anything about construction, really. My dad owned a construction business. Just because your dad owns something doesn't mean I know it. And I didn't know lick really about it. And we did concrete. And I've never done concrete in my life until I opened a concrete business. Um, wow. Yeah. So then I, got, so I started this solar business and started rock and roll because I'm a networker. I, I can network. I love networking. I love talking to people. I love my community. Started going. Uh, start building the book of business. Well, freaking uh, about two months into it, three months into it, uh, I go get a this tattoo on my back to cover up, and tattoo artist is like, "Hey, 
I would love to take your money. However, you should probably go get these spots on your back checked out. You know, and I walk out of there like, what the fuck's this guy know? You know, and then I start thinking about it like, well, he doesn't look at skin all day. Uh, okay, maybe I will end up having cancer spots on my fucking back. And so Doc's like, you got to get to cut out and you probably should not be doing that job anymore. And I was like, oh, my God, just okay, well, what am I going to do with this crap now that I just bought everything I just, you know, started? And it's starting to go, it's starting to be a healthy, viable business. Well, uh, I had two people coming to me in the same week because I started networking. I kept networking, you know, because I was like, all right. And then I knew a guy who did it, but he was struggling. So I kind of gave him some of my business and I just took a percentage off the top of it. Uh, kind of like brokering it, really, since I couldn't do it anymore. They cut it out. They're like, you're done for eight weeks. Don't touch anything. You know, and it's in the middle of my back. So, um, so I did. Um, and then these, uh, one guy, he was just, he's another vet said, Hey, I want to buy your business. I was like, sweet. So we came to terms, sold the business. Um, and then I was just kind of stuck. I was just like, what am I going to do with my life now? And I was drinking Starbucks <laughs> and, uh, I was got this epiphany of like, you know what? I'm just going to. Uh, how hard is it to, you know, start a coffee business? And I literally know shit. All right, Google, here we come. Do, 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 do. Just how to start a coffee business and then started the coffee business. Um, wow. wow, that is cool, man. You know what? I, I guess I hear this like repeating theme. You, you don't really necessarily have that fear of failure. You just go for it, right? Like you just, you just say, I have this idea. I'm going to, I'm going to go start how many businesses now we're on our fourth business so far. Yeah. Fourth so that's, business. that's, I mean, that's commendable. It doesn't mean it's always going to work out. And I guess what I'm trying to pull out of this is a little bit of wisdom for the listeners out there. Uh, it doesn't always end up working out, but you've learned just an amassed amount of just knowledge and wisdom from beginning to end. And, you know, Jeremy, uh, uh, what is amazing to tie the threads together is so dude hits the beach and burns the boats behind him every single time he takes the beach. Right. But he started off the conversation circling the drain of, I got no confidence and what the hell am I going to do now? Right. And I could, I mean, that's the reason I didn't take the Navy surgery. Like, Hey, 30% chance of success. I'm like, Hey doc, you're framing that wrong. What about the 70% chance this doesn't work? Like, can we talk about that part? Well, you do the surgery or you get out. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? And so I, I could have been Dustin, right? So um, I think what's amazing is, dude, as many times as you've remade yourself, totally disparate businesses, right? Burning the boats behind you. But brother, that's that's confident, like 10 feet tall, bulletproof and eating glass at breakfast confident, dude. Well, it, it took, so my core got shaken twice, actually, the last couple of years. In 2021, uh, the, the cancer thing started happening, right? Well, now I have this construction business that's insolvent. If you've ever had a business that failed. So I don't, I, I don't consider uh, the construction business as a failure because it was a success. The partnership was a failure, you know, and I failed my due diligence of, you know, I have to take some ownership of that too. You know, that's not all hundred percent him, you know, even though the dude's a piece of shit, uh, I got to take some ownership of it too. You know, he's done this, but the guy's done it a couple of times now. I didn't learn that till later on in my little bit more investigating uh, until stuff started coming out of the woodwork. But 
then all the lawsuits started happening. And I, man, if you've ever been, I, I don't know if you've ever been sued, man, but that is a stressful deal, man. Cause you're over here like, what is this? So then you hire a lawyer, right? Easy day. You just hire a lawyer. Boom. You know, then you realize how much lawyers really do cost every time you talk to them, you know? And then it was, I don't, I think we had, Oh man, like lawyer therapy. That's what my business attorney calls it. Lawyer, <laughs> lawyer, fee. Therapy. lawyer fee therapy. That's what he called it. And I soak yep. you in it. Oh man. Well, that's what actually, that's why I ran out of money. You know, one trying to, trying to live two uh, starting business adventures and three, just, I didn't really realize how much lawyers cost me. It was just like, boom, gone. Um, and then I started have to be my own lawyer in this. And now I have this overwhelming thing of like, I have massive amount of debt. I have $700,000 that I owe. And they're calling me constantly. Ding, ding, ding. Every third call was some person that <clears throat> says I owe money. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm trying to pay people who I know and, you know, and trying to, you know, do the right thing. If there's no money, there's no money. That's right. I can't help that, you know, and I'm profusely sorry of this. I'm, this is not my character. This is not my intention. So then it was inevitable BK bankruptcy. Uh, so then I got that stressor and then my son, my oldest son um, gets uh, addicted to drugs and uh, he's going to the senior year. And uh, 4.3 GPA and just start saying, fuck it. You know, I'm not going to college. I'm not this. I don't know why I need high school, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, listen, dude, take it from somebody who knows. I did not graduate high school. You know, I had to try harder than everybody else because I didn't get the basic knowledge, you know, or some of it. You know, I was, I was part of a no child left behind kind of. 80s atmosphere where I really should have been, I was held back in the first grade. Probably should have been held back again in second just to get me maturity behind me. And I also had ADHD. I also still have ADHD. Um, and so, uh, so I'm trying to just relate to him like, look, dude, I'm just trying to get you to get your life a little bit easier. Get your high school diploma, man. That's all. After that, the world is yours, man. You don't have to go to college if you don't want to. Because at this time, I was like, guys, go to college. Just get it out of the way, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm just like, dude, just graduate high school. Well, he goes off deep end. You know, and I've been kind of raising the kids for like the last four years kind of on my own because their mom has some drug issues. And so that's another background thing that I'm kind of dealing with. But, you know, it's like, shit, man, it, it, it's life, man. You know what I mean? You got the plate, you know, you just got to eat whatever's on the plate, man. And it's going to get kept refilled with something, man. But as soon as you get something else off, you know, your plate gets a little less full. So I'm just, I'm trying to deal with all this stuff. And then eventually he's stealing from me, not using drugs and still or using drugs and just not doing his thing. And I told him, and I have these three other kids I have to look out for. And, you know, he's kind of bringing it around. And I said, I was like, dude, you got to go. I, I, you can't stay at my house anymore. Like, I am so sorry, dude. You know, I feel like I'm failing you as a father. And, but 
I can't do anything for you. You will not go to rehab. You will not go to counseling. You will not go to school. You won't go get a job. You won't do anything. You know, and you keep stealing my shit. And so I was like, you got to go, man. And this is on 2020. Say what? Yeah, tough day. I mean, that's got to rack up there with like lifetime hard days. When they say tough love, I it's tough on the kid, but I think it's got to be tougher on the parent too. Oh, it's it still hurts. I mean, that that's not a wound that is healed, healable because it's still there. You know, it's like, how do you go and navigate this now new normal in your life and your son is not a part of it? You know, your first child, that first baby that you were like, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to be doing as a father. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, now I'm really responsible for this guy. And now he's just gone. And I had to come to the terms of like, uh, he might die, you know? So now I'm already preemptively saying my goodbye because I have no idea what's going to happen to him. Um, and uh, he's still trying to find his own path to this day. And then <clears throat> a month after that, uh, in my my daughter was dealing with some some stuff my oldest daughter and uh i was trying to be there as much as i possibly could uh but you, you got to like everything that was going on was just a massive amount of stress you know every day you wake up and you're like holy crap like what is today going to bring and it's not a good day of like hey this should be fun you know, like it should be a new activity, you know, like probably being like a law enforcement officer, you're like, you don't know what you're going to get into. This is going to be a good day, right? Well, this is, what am I going to, who's going to call me now and need money? Who's going to call me and want this? What's going to happen today? What new, you know, thing is going to come up? So I pop in. So I'm like, all right, well, um, woke up that morning and my daughter's in her room throwing up. And I'm like, Hey, sweetie, you all right? You want me to go get something? Because now I just think she has a flu. And she's like, no, 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 I'm good, good. So I kind of, I'll walk away, you know, kind of let her, you know, and she has a bowl and stuff. And I'm like, all right. And, you know, she's throwing up. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hey, are you, like, what's going on? Are you fine? Like, you know, because it's a, it's a lot. But I was like, you don't think she has a flu. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go get you some things. And she's like, well, it's not going to help me. And I was like, what? I was like, what do you mean it's not going to help you? She goes, I took about 300 tunnels last night. And I was like, I was just, I was floored. I was like, I was like, why the fuck would you do that? She's like, I don't want to live anymore. And I was like, holy shit. Like, uh, I was like, all right. So I just, I immediately, you know, I, I slammed the door. I was like, what in the fuck? And I grabbed the phone and I called 911. I'm like, get an ambulance here. Now my daughter's attempted suicide. She took about 300 pills of Tylenol or Motrin or whatever it was. And, and she, and she's just compulsively just throwing up. And I'm like, Oh my God. So I'm in the room with her. She's throwing up, you know, fire department gets there. She kind of goes in and out of consciousness a little bit. You know, and uh, I'm I'm like, I I I'm about to lose my oldest daughter here, 
And so she goes, she goes to the hospital. We get to the hospital. Um, they start doing, you know, charcoal pumping. Uh, I think they pumped her stomach too. Uh, I had to leave the room uh, for some of it. And so she, you know, started, you know, getting better. You know, it's now she's, she's talking, you know, just sore. And uh, her mom shows up and just strung the fuck out. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, you know, and I can't really see her at this point uh, because my mom did something similar to me when I was growing up. It was just me and my father. And so now I'm just like so sick of just looking at this person, you know, and going, fuck, you know, you are a big part of the reason why this is happening because she does not feel loved by a party, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, you know, and I, and then I, I'm over here like, man, you know, what could I have done? better you know i know i was going through my shit but holy crap like you know so my daughter attempted suicide she didn't want to leave anymore uh there were some other things that happened that i'm not going to discuss but um so uh yeah so her mom her mom was in there and a takeaway story fucking just baffled me was while my daughter's in there um she started telling her about like how she used drugs and how she took lsd and she liked it this is her mom talking to her 15 year old daughter at the time. And I'm just like, and I, there's nothing I can do legally, nothing I can do in California. If you try to take one, you know, kid away from the parents, almost impossible. Uh, unless you're the dad, then you can, that's probably easier task. So uh, deal with that um, and get her into, you know, therapy, the whole nine yards. Uh, and at this point, uh i did not want to live anymore i was ready to take my own life i was done i i i looked at i i was so done i wrote five letters to five most important people to me in my life and uh i went to visit one of them and just had a just can't just this conversation with him nothing big um you know was just talking but it was at the end of it is kind of when i said my goodbye i told him i was like hey dude man freaking great knowing you dude i love you man uh, and he's like, looks at me like, what the fuck do you mean by that? And I go, I, I just don't, I can't do this anymore. You know, God has put in too much on my shoulders that I can no longer stand up. I am done. I'm completely done. I'm a lousy father. I'm a terrible partner. You know, and I guess I can't fucking do this shit anymore. I have too much on my plate and I can't see a way out of this, you know? And that's when he was just like, uh, he's like, dude, he's like, what's one thing you look forward to? We talked about some other things. Um, but what really kind of brought me to was just like, what's one thing that you look forward to? And I was like, dude, I don't look forward to anything anymore. I go, I don't even want to wake up. You understand every time I go to bed, I'm going to bed with the hopes I don't wake up the next morning because I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. And so he goes, he's like, well, what's one thing that kind of motivates you? And I was like, I don't fucking know, man. I go, I love my fucking coffee in the morning. I go, that's one good thing I have in my morning that I just sip on. He goes, all right, we're going to work on that. We're going to build from that. I was like, what? I was like, you're high as hell, dude. I was like, I need more than that. He goes, yeah, you do, but we're going to start there. And no shit. That's what I did every morning. And just now he's what he was doing is mindset. He's transitioning my mindset 
instead of being positive or negative in the morning, it's just that one positive thing in the morning. Boom. And did it. And did that for 21 days, but I mean, for uh, forever, really, since then. And it just started seeing more positives. And then he helped me. He was just like, all right, man, we're going to take this massive pile. He goes, what can you control? He goes, all right, well, that goes over there because that doesn't even matter. That is what it is. And then he goes, we're going to take this and start knocking the little nuggets off, man. And from then and then, it was like, okay, well, this isn't so bad. So, but when you're in that mindset and that depression, it's a killer. What a, what a wonderful friend. Uh, yeah, he, he actually did it twice, you know, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's funny because of how that friend really just that one guy, I mean, I don't know what I, I would, I would have killed, probably killed myself if he wasn't in my life. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Wow. Um, uh, then I, a girlfriend I had at the time, I started questioning God. I started really believing in Christianity and if there really is a God, and, you know, she's Christian. And I, I told her, I was like, hey, uh, I go, I, I kind of need to talk to you. And she's like, okay, what do you need to talk to me about? And we're at my kitchen table. She's, I go, I don't really think I believe in God anymore. And she's like, what? She's like, uh, why? I go, I don't think God would do this to somebody. I go, this is too much. And she's like, no, God would do this because he knew you could handle it. I go, but I almost didn't handle it. I almost, you know probably didn't go see God. I was going to go see the devil. You know, and she's like, she's like, and she just stopped right there. She's like, she didn't know what to answer. She didn't know how to answer that. And I was like, yeah, I, I go, I don't know if I believe in God. So we started talking about something, something else. No shit. Five minutes after I get a messenger, Facebook messenger from the pastor of my church. And he goes, Dustin, you've been on my mind. We should go have lunch. Wow. As I'm sitting there with my, with my girlfriend, and I look at my phone. I started laughing. I was like, uh, I just started laughing. I was like, she's like, what? I was like, well, I guess God uses messenger too. And she's like, what? Get the hell out of here. I was like, no kidding. No freaking kidding. And yeah, went out to have lunch. That's with, too with cool. Pastor and started cool. talking to him about it. And at this time, I was having a hard time getting in uh, my daughter into a regular therapy because it, like mental health in teens is a wildly huge epidemic. And I had no idea until my daughter went to, went to the hospital and I was just mind blown. And I was like, Oh my God. And start calling around. They're like, Oh yeah, we're going to get in around six months later. I was like, Holy, are you kidding me? Six months. I was like six months. She could be dead. Like, this is wild. So I told her, I, I was just like, well, I, I don't know what we're going to do. So I ended up talking to my pastor. He goes, hey, I got somebody. And got her in there and did did the therapy. Um, and, you know, she's doing better. She's doing better. But, uh, you know, mental health is a, I like to look at it as a, as a hot rod. You know, when that hot rod is running and it's finely tuned and it's just purring down the road, it's great. You know, but you still got to wash it. Still got to change. You got to still put air in the tires. You got to change the oil. You know what I mean? You got to do maintenance to it, man. That's our mental health. We have to do maintenance to it constantly to keep it, whether that's exercise, therapy. I mean, you name it, whatever your vice is to make you, you know, healthy, healthy and keep uh, thinking positively. 
you have to do that, you know? Um, and so that's why I was trying to find her that tune, like, Hey, what are you going to do? Like, what do you want to do? You know? And she struggles with that. You know, what, what her, what her role is. And I'm like, well, you're only 16. You don't have to define that right now. I go one, let's just define you and think about you. What's like, what are you wanting? You know what I mean? And I go, look, life isn't always an evolving, you know, just evolving freaking thing. You're going to love this one thing now, but in 10 years, you might not even care for it. It might not even be a thing. You know, I go, but what makes you happy right now? What gets you out of that mindset of just thinking negatively? Like, let's start there. I go, let's start working on your diet because then she was, she, you know, she came out. She's like, I'm bulimic. You know, I was like, all right, we need to start with let's, let's work on that. But I go first, start small, you know, let's just go to therapy once a week and that's it. And then we'll build other things into it. Um, and then, yeah, so she's doing better. Um, she's also kind of like her dad who does not like school. And I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, if you would just listen about the road I went down, it's a lot harder kids. I'm telling you a lot easier if you just get it done now, but you know, I got, I got a battle where I can, I, I can win them. And, you know, uh, one thing I kind of did teach her is to be independent. And, uh, I didn't realize that that was a great thing until, uh, she started finding me like, nope, dad, I, I'm, I want to be independent and I'm fighting you on this. And I was like, damn, if you just listen, you know, <laughs> but you know, she's, she's hard-headed, but she's doing good. She has a job. She's working it. She'd rather be working than being in school. So, yeah. So now this, uh, and obviously, you know, that kind of moves us over towards like the coffee. So talk to me about this coffee venture. Yeah. So um, we both take a long drink out of our coffee mugs at four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I, I, coffee is a, I, I love it. I love coffee. I mean, one, you know, it's, it's, it's healthier than an energy drink, right? It's a natural, it's a natural thing, you know, uh, but uh, just that taste, man, just, oof, just gets me. And I, uh, so I started this, this coffee, it wasn't even called, it's called red, white, and badass brew. And it wasn't even called that when I initially started it. Um, it was called uh, 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 basic badass coffee company um, because I love pumpkin spice. So I, I'm a, just a pumpkin spice guy, man. I used to make these stupid ass videos about pumpkin spice and, uh, <laughs> and I was, I eat pumpkin spice things. And then my, I did it on YouTube and I did it as a pun. And so I, so I started this little Facebook group and I was like uh, uh basic badass instead of basic bitch. I call myself basic badass. <laughs> and I did it as a pun. Cause my, my friends would all call me basic bitch. Cause I like pumpkin spice. So I, uh, that's why I, he keeps his gun so big, Jeremy, so he can kick their ass when they make fun of him. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> 12 push-ups a day will get you these guns. Just buy my workout routine, $12.99 a month. <laughs> and nine cups of pumpkin spice coffee. And nine, yeah. You need a Twinkie, pumpkin spice Twinkie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Jeremy, I'm so excited, man. So we're going to do a couple shows with uh, Dustin, and he is going to bring, uh, and I got to get you a sample, Dustin, tell my man JB here, Texas bourbon guy, tell him what your favorite flavor of badass uh, coffee is. It's called Whiskey Business. It's a vanilla, caramel, and a whiskey flavor coffee. 
it is my number one seller, hands down. I had no idea when, when this thing was created that it would go in that direction. Uh, it just, it just, everybody loves the the whiskey business. You know, what a like, combo. Oh. Yeah. That's a great, great flavor of like palate combo. And I think sounds great. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It, it's going to go by sweep. Yes. You're going to get it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I started this and then, uh, eventually found myself kind of getting a letter of, uh, saying, Hey, you're infringing on my name. When I had the basic badass coffee company, I was like, Oh shit. I was like, and at first my initial reaction was, you know, kind of like that military bravado. It was like, all right, I want to Xerox my ass with some lips on it and say, kiss it. Uh, but then I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know what? It is a little bit close. I'll give you that. And then that's how I came out with uh, red, white, and badass brew. I was like, well, this is a name. This actually portrays who I am and, you know, my customer basis. So that was, that's how I just kind of came up with the name. So change. So it was like, you know what? You guys did a blessing in disguise. Thank you. Because uh, it wouldn't be where it is, man. But whiskey business is by far the number one selling one. It it's ten to one. Wow. Outsells everything else ten to one, man. Really does. You Sounds know? good. I'm so excited. yeah. So it's it's an online business. And I do wholesale. You know, so I got a couple of coffee shops that carry my coffee, and uh, keep popping up new shops uh, who carry it. You know, on a weekly basis. It seems like now. Yeah. So that is too yeah. cool. So this is, that's now how you spend most of your time and working on this business, or do you still have a bunch of other ventures? No. Uh, well, I have one other venture. Um, I have a, I have a show it's called uh, coffee conversations and Badasses, Uh, and we tell heroic stories of people who overcome mental health, addictions, relationships, and business struggles, man. Um, yeah, it's a it's a important thing. Uh, so I take kind of what I've gone through in my short life here and like, wow, if I've gone through this, I know other people have gone through this. And short life. Gee whiz, man, you've accomplished more than most people uh, are in their entire lifetime in a shorter span. Uh, it's like Job from the Bible. I mean, uh, like you're hopefully you're now restored twice over. Yeah, yeah. You know. I, I almost, I almost again took my life, uh, when I found out, uh, I'm losing my house. Like my house is going to be gone. And this was like almost a year ago. And, um, I thought I was in a better place and it just fucking crumbled me because my kids just looked at me just like, dad, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? You know? And I was like, wow, I'm just a worthless piece of shit you know what? I'm no longer an asset. I'm a liability. I mm. went back to that same frame, you know? Um, you know, I was like, wow. And, uh, took a bunch of, uh, took some pills and grabbed my gun. And, uh, there was no letters this time. It was like, nope, there's none, none needed. Um, went to bed, locked up my house, barricaded it up and called my kids and said, Hey guys, you know, just, you know, kind of talk to them, chat with them, say, I love you you don't know how in tune your kids are to really what is going on until they're standing up for you for something, or they come to you and say, Hmm, that's not right. That's not normal. So my youngest daughter was like, went to her mom and goes, I don't know what's going on, but dad didn't quite seem normal. You know, and this is after I took him some pills and, you know, uh, and I was like, 
uh, like some oxycodone because, you know, I want to numb myself up. Um, and uh, she's like, hmm, okay. So she comes to my house, my truck's in the driveway and all lights are off. And she's like, that's weird. Because uh, usually, you know, that's just a weird instance happens. So then she messages my best friend, the same guy that saved my life the first time and goes, Hey, have you talked to Dustin in a couple of days? And, uh, you know, Kaylee thought it was kind of weird that, you know, he called her and, uh, uh, was just kind of weird. And then, uh, I went to his house, his truck's there, but lights are completely off. And so he rushes over my house, uh, goes, uh, into my backyard. My neighbor's a cop and sees him. He's like, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? You know, gun out on him. He's just like, Hey dude, I'm just here. I'm Dustin's you know, best friend. And, uh, and really just, uh, uh, was like, Hey, I'm trying to check on Dustin. Haven't heard of him. And so they went to my backyard. Well, my dog, you know, they're trying to shine this floodlight in my, in, in my bedroom. And my dog, I guess was open up the curtain kind of, but not opening up the curtain, just kind of like splashing it open. Well, they saw me in the bed slumped over with a gun in my hand. And, um, I was like, I, and I'm just out. I'm completely fucking out. And so they call the cops, call the cops, whole nine yards. Well, I wake up because, you know, he's shining the bright ass light in my eyes. And I just wake up out of the fog and I'm holding the gun still. And I kind of meander out of bed, just kind of stumbling out of bed, went to the sliding glass door, open it up. And my best friend is standing there and he goes, Hey, like you okay i was like no i'm not he goes well put your fucking gun away because the cops are here i was like why the fucking cops are here he goes dude we were worried man he goes and now i'm really worried i was like okay so he goes over helps him put the gun up shut the safe and this at this time i was like oh shit like i'm about to lose my whole fucking rights i'm about to go i don't know where i'm gonna go you know um and the cops, you know, were like, oh, well, we have to see him. We have to check on him. And so I was like, nope, nope. I just, you know, was, I'm really tired and nothing's wrong with me. And uh, he comes inside my house. He lays in bed with me and he's, he's just, I fall asleep. I pass out again, wake up in the morning. And he's like, hey, dude, we got to get you some help. So you don't have an option. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't. And uh, from that point, man, I went and in 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 therapy dude went back to therapy and i was like here's this fucking hot rod that needs a tune-up you know where i should have been in therapy this whole time or something of that fact to make sure that that didn't happen i didn't really know how weak i was at the time and how uh you know lose not really losing my house but losing that 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 feeling with my kids of like oh my god like my kids just they don't know. Now they're scared. Um, but it's, uh, no. it's like an anchor thought, you know, I mean, it, whatever, whatever that foundational position that you took in your mind, it was built around the house is stability for the kids. And that stability for the kids was like, that's, that's one, one thing that made you feel whole and twice pulled out the rug and just absolutely crushes the cards. Yeah. Crushes it. Yep. And so, you know, I just, uh, now it's just like, well, no, you know what? It's love. It's my relationship with them that makes them feel safe, secure. It's not this house. You know what I mean? It's nothing. It's not the car that you drive. 
you know, it's that relationship you build with them is what makes them feel safe and secure. It's that communication you develop with them, you know, and say, hey, look, this is part of life. Sometimes we go through some hard times, you know, but this is what makes it stronger. And then focus some of the attention onto them and to mm -hmm. making sure they're okay. And so that's what I learned and was like, okay, well, you know what? It's always evolving. Um, and uh, material shit, never do something that's going to be a permanent solution for a temporary problem ever, you know? Uh, I mean, unless it's good, you know, but taking your own life is not an answer at all at any point in your life, you know? Um, I, and this is kind of an endeavor that one, the, the, the show that I, what we're doing is kind of like, why do we open this door? Why is that door open? You know, why do we sit there and say, we have this bad thing going on in life. Why is taking our life an answer ever? Oh, yeah, it's a trap. I mean, you get, you get stuck in a trap of, of hopelessness, right? That the next day is not going to be any better. The next one may be even worse. And then it just keeps spiraling downward, but I, I'm glad. I'm so I'm thankful one that you had a support of a friend but two, that you found a love for coffee and you turn that into something that helps you want to wake up every morning. How cool. Oh that? yeah. I get jazzed. Now. I mean, I get jazzed every time I drink it, you know, actually I don't have my coffee in here now it's in the, in the next room, but uh, I was like, you know what? I should probably drink some water for this. Cause I'll probably be talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's good, man. I love, I love coffee, dude. I love helping people out. Um, and that is just two things that one coffee does, man. Coffee brings conversations. You know, you can learn a lot of, a lot about somebody going to have a cup of coffee with them. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. um, and then just the transitions and, uh, some of the struggles, man. And I just want to, I want to help out as many people as I possibly can Yeah. with, with this. And it's, not just geared towards military, man. This is also geared towards uh, civilians because they're having the same issues. I, I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. I, I thank you for being on the show. I think well, there's a ton. There's a ton covered and a ton to learn. I, I feel like the the entrepreneurial spirit is still strong. Obviously, you're you're constantly building and taking risks and and moving forward. Uh, but the fact that you recovered twice from what would be, you know, maybe you've killed somebody else, you're coming out stronger on the other side of it. So I think that's, that's really cool. Doc, what else, what, what else you got? I just think it's <clears throat> the first time I met Dustin, we were just having a chat. Um, uh, and there might've been a bourbon or two involved, but we were having a chat about, you know, well, dude, tell me about you now. And what are you doing now? And so you hear all this struggle and, you know, like one chapter after another, like, dude, this movie's not going to end well at all, is it? Like, um, but he keeps bouncing back and then he's like, yeah, man. So I started this company and I'm going to hire vets and I'm working with vets and I'm working with this organization and that organization, this other organization. And, and then I got this podcast and like he, unlike us, JB, where we bolted the podcast on years later, he said, Hey, I'm going to run them concurrently. Cause one of them's fueled by coffee, which is my day job. Right. So I just found not only his resilience was absolutely just remarkably stunning Right. Like I thought I'd had a bad day once in a while or something. Right. Like it gives you a whole new perspective, but he's going to help other people 
out of it, right? It's that selfless service. And, you know, it's one of the things we find too, JP. I hear, you know, people come up in airports and keynotes and stuff all the time and say, hey, man, you guys are constantly talking about other people's success and you guys are constantly giving back. And that's, you know, every day I come to work at SPM, that's cathartic for me, dude. You know, helping somebody else. It's, I'm not saying you can't dwell on yourself, but it's tough to focus on yourself when you're helping somebody else. Yeah. Better yeah. to focus. You know what I mean? So yeah. it can yeah. help you stop swirling the drain, man. You're still stuck in a bathtub full of dirty water. Like you still got to get away out of that, but at least you're not at the drain circle and stage anymore. Right. It's, so it's that mindset, Doc. It yeah. really is, guys. It's that mindset. You know, it's you can stay stuck in that dirty water, man. Or, you know, hey, let's put some let's put some clean water in there. You know, let's let's find a way to put some clean water. It's all about that mindset. We can you know, throw a tennis ball in here. Let's do some water polo. I mean, you know what I mean? It's mindset, yeah. dude. Right? Yeah, it is. It really is, you know. And don't be afraid to shoot for the stars. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, I, that's what really actually motivates me is failure really motivates me. Like, am I scared to fail? Hell yeah, I am. That's why I want to do it. You know, it's like showing the world like, yeah, I get it. If you fail, so the fuck what? Guess yeah. what? Boom. On to the next one. You know, you know I, don't know, I don't know who to attribute it to, but I heard a quote one time and I've co-opted it since. It's been years now, but when you, you either succeed or you learn to take failure out of your vocabulary. Yes. So it didn't work, but now you got some lessons learned on how you make it work next time. You know what I mean? And, and you know, the old adage, like, it's not how many times you get hit. It's how many times you get up. So the Rocky Balboa Edison, Hey man, I figured out a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. I mean, you know, not philosophers, one of them, but they're all saying the same thing though. Like, and I think you really drove it home, Dustin. Hey, man, life's equal opportunity shitter on her, man. Like, everybody's going to get some of this bullshit that life has to hand out, right? It's going to be pretty dark at times. But that way, like Hemingway says, the cracks, though, is where the sunshine comes through when the sun comes up. You know what I mean? So I just think it's, I mean, as long as you set your jaw to realize, man, you're going to get shit on like everybody else, equal opportunity. But how do you respond to it? When I was a weaker man, I had some different answers. Now that I'm other, on the other side of those situations, you know, you were talking about your kids like, hey, man, look, here's what your old man tried, brother. And here's how it ended up. I don't know what it's going to end up if you do it your way. It sounds similar. Or you want to do it this other way, maybe, and it's not similar. So you could probably expect some, some other results. You know, maybe they learn from you, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you're trying to, uh, trying to stick them with the story, you know, trying to get them to like see the light, but they have their own way of thinking that they're going to do it. Like you try to instill into them this to the right way. Cause we think we know everything, you know, what kids has taught me is just like, they're going to set on a path that they want to go on, you know? And I no longer tell them what the right way is. I just ask him, how do I contribute to get you where you want to go? Shit, you don't want to go to college? Cool, man. You know, at now my two younger ones, I'm like, I don't give a shit. You guys don't want to go to college. I am not baking you on that cake on you have to go to college. You know, 
I'm like, I go, you know, I go, but again, tell them, I'm like, you know, if I, if, if I had to do life over again, I would do a couple of things different. I wouldn't do much. I love the life that I live. Yeah. The hard road, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. It just built me into the character that I am today. I go to college after college, go see the world, go vagabond around the world, go do many jobs around the world and get that experience. That's one thing I wish I would have done differently. And uh, that's kind of why I instilled him. I go, cause then you're going to go around, you're going to be cultured and you're going to see the world that most people do not get to see, you know, and you're yeah. going to live a life and experience more than anything else. And that will give you a lot of riches in your life. And it will probably guide you down a path that you really want to go. And you can start building your career at 30. You don't have to build it at 22, 23, 24. Sounds like uh, red, white, and badass brew needs to go do a road show around the world. <laughs> I'm down. I'm I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. RV it just around the U.S. and then uh, internationally. You know. Yeah, wrap wrap the RV with your logo and then serve coffee out of the out of the side during the day. Do your show at night and hit another location. That actually doesn't sound like a half, half bad life, man. It really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. We're going to hit the road. I do RV and I'm going to hit the road next week. And we're going to do a big loop through Tennessee and around uh, South Carolina and, and back around. So it's going to be fun. No kidding. Uh, and for what? Just to go? Just to, just hit to go. Is there, is there a certain point you're going? Yeah, we're going to go hit the uh, Smoky Mountains. Then we're going to hit uh, Williamsburg up in Virginia. And then we're going to do Outer Banks. And then we're going to come down back through probably Arkansas, maybe Hot Springs again. Nice. Nice. That actually sounds like a, a really great road trip. We try to do it once a year just to where we can kind of unplug a little bit. Just work from the, we work from the road, but, but ultimately just get the kids out and see some of the beautiful country that's out there. That, you know, people need to take note of that too. You know, make sure your kids are unplugging from technology. Because that is, I think, a big mental standpoint, man. Uh, you know, one thing that my daughter, I, I learned from my oldest daughter, is um, the images she sees online, like Instagram and stuff like that. You know, I tried profusely to protect my kids from that crap. Um, however, if you give them a smartphone, I will guarantee you that your kids within just a short amount of time are going to be smarter about that phone than we are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they have no ways. And I was just like, man, you can't have Instagram. Uh, so my youngest daughter now, I'm like, she's like, oh, my friends have TikTok. I was like, I don't care. I'm not like your other friends. I'm not like their parents. I don't give in to the social pressures. And I go, I've made a mistake. I've learned from that mistake. I'm not repeating. And I go, you don't need it. It doesn't prove anything. There's nothing on there that you don't already can't see. You know? Information. So I, load. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's it. As we wrap this up, Dustin, I mean, one, I can't be more appreciative for you being on the show, but two, what kind of advice would you give to a transitioning service member? Transitioning service member. Well, I would, I would, uh, if you know you're getting out, take the necessary steps to do one, get your VA stuff in order. That's going to be wildly important to get your VA stuff in order. Because if you wait to the day you get out, it's gonna be months before you get your VA taken care of. So about six months before, start taking care of that. 
start taking classes of what you are, or before you know that you're going to get out, start taking classes of something that you want to get into afterwards. And just like a business, write a plan. Write a plan of what you want to do when you get out, because that will help you succeed and give you a vision. It will give you your drive. It will give you your purpose. When you leave the military, you no longer have a mission. Mission. You have a vision. And we'll establish that. Get a plan. I guarantee you that will help out. Not only that, but go seek some financial services. Because you think you've got it covered. And you will hit some roadblocks along the way that will hit you harder than probably anything. Because medical is more expensive than anything. Um, and that, that's, I was medically retired. So I get, I'm, I'm a different breed, but that's one of the number one things I hear is like, damn, I didn't really budget $800 a month for medical, you know? So, you know, financial plan, a, a career plan, and uh, definitely, definitely take some, uh, some certs or something like that. If you know what you're going to get into beforehand and handle that VA before you get out. No, that's great. That's great advice. So I love it. Take care of your VA stuff, get some certs or take some classes, you know, from a, a civilian perspective, because you've got all the military certifications, you've got all the military accolades and ribbons and everything that you wear on your dress and certificates, but the civilian world doesn't know what that means. So if you get something that the civilian world understands, it just, it pays dividends. I love the write a plan, right? It's nothing like putting something on paper. And even if you even if you wrote it on your wall, for goodness sake, you'd have to wake up every morning and see what you want to be. Uh, so I love that. And then financial uh, advice, because we're used to getting our BAH, our BAS, you know, that base pay, everything costs a little less, you know, and and on the outside, it's it, it's just a different animal. It's just a different animal. Yeah. And, I mean, really analyze it too, because you're going to, you have somebody else who's going to be looking at that, who has an outside perspective, who's not emotionally tied to it. They're going to tell you the real nitty gritty of how long it's going to really, how long that savings is going to last you. Not only that, but what's going to take to replace what you're making in the military. Right. And it's yeah. harder to walk out of a $90,000 job than you think and go right into another $90,000 job. Agreed. Agreed. Doc, any parting shots for the, the crowd? No, Dustin, I just, dude, thanks for sharing your stories, brother. It's, it's freaking epic. Uh, uh, lots of stuff I didn't know from the times we've had a chat, man. So look forward to seeing you on the road, brother. We're going to do some events together. So uh, JB will be nice and hyped up with the coffee. Um, Dustin, we'll have to get JB out on the road with us and drink some brews. But um, yeah, thanks for coming on, dude. Really appreciated your time. And um, what a what a podcast episode, dude. And uh, JB and I look forward to being on yours. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely want you guys to come on mine and uh, talk about some, we'll get, we'll talk some more. Awesome. That's too good, man. Yeah. My, my jaw's a little sore after I hit the floor three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, that's uh, it's one of those stories. I just, uh, and it's not over, you know, so over. I'm going to get punched again, but you know, it's okay because I'm going to get right back the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best advice right there be ready to get hit and get be ready to get back up you are you can't get hit so you know that's okay just get back up from it 
All right. Rocky Balboa. All right, lads. Thanks. I appreciate it, gents. All right, guys. Thanks, dog. JB. Right, brother. You guys have a good day, okay? All right. Awesome. You too, bro. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in and spending a bit of time with us at the Military Transition Academy powered by Vets to PM. If we picked your interest, but you want more details, please head over to the website vets2pm.com and see if we can help prepare you for a better tomorrow or a future meaningful and lucrative career.